Good morning, friends. I am joining you from the chapel of Grace Church in Wilmington, Delaware. This past Sunday, I was able to say goodbye to my congregation as they had just reopened for in-person worship and wanted to say goodbye in person. So I'm thankful for the Kirk. I'm thankful for Pastor Nate and, and your support as I did that and said farewell. And there was lots of singing, lots of laughing and weeping and telling of stories, but lots of singing. And today, I want to talk to you about singing. But first, let us pray. God, we are so thankful that your mercies are new every morning. We're thankful for the gift of life. We're thankful for the gift of your word that comes to us after thousands of years of being shared. We ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray, amen. So this past Sunday, there was lots of singing. It reminded me of the importance of singing. Singing is really important. And as we think about coming back, as Pastor Nate has laid out in the sermon series, we think about what, what does it mean to come back? And today I wanna focus on what it means to be the church. And see, I think a central practice of being the church is singing together. Now that's been really hard in the pandemic. We haven't been able to really sing together. We know that it can be dangerous to do congregational singing in the ways that we've done in the past and to have the full choir engaged with the congregation. And yet we have missed it, haven't we? We love to sing. Singing is really important, of course. Singing is so important that some of you might even be thinking, you need to see my, my vinyl collection, my Spotify list, or Bob Beck CD collection. I'll let him explain that to you. But see, I mean, singing is really important, and not just choral singing and congregational singing, but singing with one's life, with one's heart. And that's what I think this morning's scripture is about. But first, for those of you interested in anthropology, Ani Patel of the Neurosciences Institute in San Diego says that music, and especially singing, is likely what our original language was. Now, not everybody agrees with that assessment, but they believe that the original human language was a musical one, that we would have called out to one another in a sort of call and response, much like other animals do. You remember uh, the movie Finding Nemo, do you speak whales? Whales calling out to one another, dolphins calling out to one another, birds calling out to one another. And so she imagines that that's how it all began, and she writes, we feel music just taps into this kind of precognitive, archaic part of ourselves. So it seems to make sense that music came before we had this complicated, articulate language that we use to do abstract thinking. And musical ability is, of course, similar in other animals. When a parent speaks to a baby, Patel writes, it's this kind of lilting intonation 
There's a lot of rhythm, a lot of exaggerated pitch contours, and people have speculated that this way of communicating with infants may have been one of the more important roots to language in our species. Think about that the next time your friend breaks out in the middle of a sentence with a jukebox-like song. Music has also been important historically, singing in particular. It was so important that when you look at the rise of Nazism in Germany or the rise of totalitarianism in the Soviet Union, the key was always singing. The governments would control the arts and music and make sure they were singing propaganda. They were singing the doctrine of the state, that they were making sure to keep rebels in line. They were making sure to reinforce their values. That's how you pass down information. That's how you rally people to your cause. And of course, that was done to devastating consequences, especially to artists and singers. But think on the positive. Think of the Christmas Day truce when Germans and Englishmen stopped firing at each other and during World War I and in defiance of their officers traded goods and began singing to one another, Stille Nacht, Silent Night. Singing has the power to cause us to pause, to think, to laugh, to wonder, to rally us. Even in the most difficult of moments like World War I, we shall overcome was at the center of the civil rights movement. We shall overcome. One day, yes, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. This propelled women and children and men to face high-pressure hoses, dog attacks, and police brutality in Jim Crow, Alabama. Singing has been important to movements across the world. And singing is important for our faith. C.S. Lewis saw it as so central that in the Chronicles of Narnia series, he writes about the creation of Narnia in The Magician's Nephew. And in it, he describes Aslan, the Christ figure, singing creation into being. He likely borrows the idea from the form of Genesis, a poetic genre that our ancestors likely sang, hence the rhythm, in the beginning, and God saw that it was good, and that was the first day. Those rhythms were likely told around campfires, and they would pass it to their children and their children's children through song, much like we still do today, how we might teach our children the ABCs. Ever Ruth, we've been teaching her about sharing, and there are all these Daniel Tiger songs about sharing or about expressing one's feelings or about waiting for uh, mom and dad to come back, for your parents to come back. Singing transmits information, but it also comforts, it expresses things we can't always express, and again, it can rally us. It teaches us to remember and so in C.S. Lewis's book, he writes this beautiful passage. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice had begun to sing. It was very far away, and Professor Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes 
He almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune, but it was beyond comparison the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it, and the deepest, wildest voice they had heard was saying, Narnia. Narnia, Narnia, awake, love, think, speak, be walking trees, be walking and talking beasts, be divine waters. The beasts and birds, by contrast, cry out in reply, in harmonic unity, he continues, hail Aslan, we hear and obey, we are awake, we love, we think, we speak, we know. In the middle of the scripture is that great song book that I think imagines God singing creation into being. The Psalms, one of the longest books of the Bible. And it is the telling of creation, the retelling of exodus, of pain, loss, fear, hope, joy, and praise. The early Christians sang hymns to encourage one another like Paul and Silas, even in the chains of persecution. Jesus sang too, likely the Psalms as he would have been taught in Jewish culture. For Passover meals, the Gospels tell us that Jesus and his disciples sang hymns, again, likely from the Psalms. In fact, scholars suspect which Psalms might have been sung for Passover. Right before Jesus was to be arrested, betrayed, denied, and crucified, he not only sang before that, he sang during his crucifixion. Scripture tells us that Jesus cried out a song of lament from Psalm 22, Elohim, Elohim, lama sabachthani, meaning, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But scholars also believe that in accordance with the culture and practice of the time, the reciting of the first line of the psalm was a common way to refer to the whole psalm. For the hearers would have understood that he was quoting all of Psalm 22. Listen to how the psalm ends. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. And I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. I like to believe that with that psalm, Jesus was singing about you and me to a people yet unborn, learning about deliverance, the deliverance that the Lord provides. Jesus ends Psalm 22 with praise, though he began with lament. Today's scripture is one of the quintessential ones that for me defines what is at the center of church practice. God's 
holy and chosen and beloved ones. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Clothe yourselves with love. Be ruled by peace. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly teach and admonish one another. That is, call one another out. Hold one another to account. Encourage one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude, he, I believe, finishes that mini, mini essay. In your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. See, I think what Paul is talking about here is undergirding the forgiveness, undergirding the, the joyfulness, undergirding the, the, the bearing with one another, the patience and humility and, and clothing oneself with compassion and kindness, undergirding all that is singing, singing together, singing as a community. Paul ends this poetic prose with a command, sing. Think about it. Scholars believe the Colossians were really struggling with a sense of identity and, and belief and practice. What do we sing about? Who do we sing to? They were influenced by all sort of other religious practices. And the apostle Paul is calling them back to who they are in Christ. It was a pretty large city though, a secondary city to some others, but still cosmopolitan nonetheless. And they were asking the question, who are we? What does it mean to be the church? And I believe the letter to the Colossians, as the scholars share with us, is about that identity. Who are we as a church? The apostle Paul calls them into the identity of church in Christ, to clothe one to clothe ourselves with, with love and peace and humility and meekness and patience and forbear and, and, and forgive and to be thankful. But he undergirds all of that with singing. See, I've heard you sing. Yes, the, the wonderful choir, of course. But you've also sung your song when forgiving the medical debt in Pontiac and I bet you had some debtors singing too. You've sung to each other in the sanctuary, yes, but also at Bible studies and small groups when you encourage one another, when you, you hear one another, when you make space for the vulnerable. I've heard you sing when preparing meals or delivering them. Now, sometimes you're actually singing, but I also mean you're singing in service. I've heard you sing about the possibilities of an, of a, of an anniversary campaign where, where maybe, just maybe, we might dream and go big and see what God is calling the Kirk to do and be and how to serve in this world. I've heard you sing when you've stepped up to give, to give funds for the Kirk youth to go shopping for some food and feed some hungry mouths. I heard you uh, sing when uh, one of your young girls, one of the singers of the Kirk connected uh, through Accent Pontiac was shot at her home. How that devastated the community, the tears, how it rallied the community and members from the Kirk went to her to provide for her and her family in a time of need, singing songs of encouragement. 
The thing about singing is we can all join in. We don't have to be professional singers. Sometimes we don't even have to move our mouths. It comes from the depths of our hearts. We sing. And when we sing together, the singing becomes stronger. And that is the church. That is the body of Christ. Some of us might even sing a little off key, maybe a little too softly. Some of us may have forgotten the words, were lost in the music, or have little energy or joy left to sing. But the community song around us rallies us, reminds us of who we are, gathers us in, and points us to the song that has been sung even before creation. Where does this song come from? It comes from a deep joy when you've been captivated by the love story of God and you and us, that you are moved to a love that you've never dared imagine. Maybe you were even afraid to. What is this story? This story is that in Christ, we have been set free to love, free to serve, free to sing in worship, sing in preparing of meals, sing in giving and in visiting and in advocating. We join in Christ's song, a song begun in creation, a song given through the law and the prophets, a song cried out by Jesus from the cross in pain and in praise, in the midst of hate, but hanging on to hope facing death and despair, but trusting in love divine. And some of you today, I know you're facing pain. You're facing hate. You're facing disease and death and disappointment. You're facing broken relationships and you're wondering about tomorrow, let alone today. And the scripture today is inviting you to be the church and sing. To encounter the singing Christ facing the cross itself and singing his life's song. Singing it for you. Dying the death we would have otherwise died in our sin so that we might live the life we should and are called to live. You can join in his song, Facing Sin and Death, a world with its harsh need to change you, says one poem. And we can sing, we shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Nay, we can sing, Christ has overcome, has overcome. We can face unjust systems. We can face racism. We can face violence and hatred with song. A song that comes from a place of joy when we see how blessed we are indeed with life and breath, with home and clothing, with food and friends and family and redemption in Christ. And then we sing. We sing of pain, yes. We join in Jesus' lament from the cross and we sing in praise. Yes, we sing of suffering, 
but also of redemption and hope. We sing of loss, but also life and life abundant. So let's join our voices to Christ and sing our hearts out, sing our life song, and let others help you sing. Sing at the hospital bed, sing preparing meals, sing in service, sing in worship. Sing as we approach the table and join that unending hymn in response to Christ's song, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one, the Christ, who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Thanks be to God. Amen.